Hello there guys and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week I am joined by none other than Steve J. Ray of the Superheroes for Dummies podcast and loads of other things he's involved with, but also Professor Elemental, the prolific chap hopper. Now, if you don't know what chap hop actually is, then this is the perfect podcast for you because that's exactly what gets explained towards the start. It's exactly as it sounds like. It's rap slash hip hop, uh, but very gentlemanly. It's really unlike anything you've probably ever heard before, unless you've heard the basically three or four artists that seem to be in this one genre. But this chat as well, it was so much fun to do. And after editing it yesterday, I was cracking up while editing it. So this is definitely one of the funniest podcasts that I've released. For just a few points that we talk about, as well as talking about chap hop and the profs and sort of musical roots and whatnot, we talk about comic books, indie comics, steampunk, horror movies, the worst jobs that the three of us have had, nerd culture, and a few other bits and pieces too. I've included links in the description to Professor Elemental and Steve J. Ray's various websites and how to get a hold of them and things. And I just think this is such a fun chat. I was just really, really excited to release it. There will be a quick promo for the American Slacker podcast that'll be coming up, and then straight after that, it'll get into the full chat. There's not much else to say here, guys. I'll save all the rambling and other information for the end. So once this chat finishes, make sure you stick around right to the end so you can listen to all of the things I've been involved with recently, what's coming up on the show, my other podcast, or almost my other two podcasts now, really, and lots of other bits and pieces of information. So after you listen to this, you know, stick around right to the very end and then give the prof and Steve J. Ray all the love you can on social media. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, here's the American Slacker promo, and then we'll get straight into the chat. Hi, I'm Matt. And I am Jesse. So, like, what is American Slacker, I guess, right? The highest amount of dick jokes per episode per podcast. We've been on the air for 57 straight years. 57 straight years of dick jokes. Things constantly soaring over my head. And you pull on my chain and your weekly weird news. We're also cannabis friendly. We kind of sneak it in there, almost like you're lacing the brownies at the family reunion. It's a ride of your motherfucking life. Fucking 11, when there's only 10 on the dial. Weapons of mass destruction. It's a threat to society. Food assaults. Yeah, that happens too sometimes. An ostrich took a lit match into a fireworks factory. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that one. No, that's our third story. <laughs> oh my God. America, what are you doing? So is someone dumb getting fucked over. Well, you know, they should have never gave raccoons rights, in my opinion. <laughs> oh my God. You can help us. You can help everyone. Download our shit now. We're slacking We're America. Slacking America. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. I am here today with a man who can't come on my show enough, which is Stevie J. Ray, who I keep having on the show. There's more of him to come, but he is actually more of a co-host on this one because the main event is Professor Elemental. Hello there, Prof. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted. Delighted to be here. I've been buzzing around like a little funny bee, and it's nice to actually just sit down for a moment. <laughs> That's It's exciting for me just to have a moment to sit down and talk to friends. Yeah, and it's just talking about really uh, things that you're passionate about and then just sort of whatever the conversation goes with. And I just want to say, uh, the way I first heard of you, funnily enough, was actually I used to work at a place that made uh, cassettes and CDs called mm. Band CDs, also called Wizbit. And my boss at the time there, because I, I haven't worked there for a few years now, but my boss absolutely loved your music. And oh, I, remember I remember when him. he... he yeah. yeah, Paul. And I remember he... Man of taste. Yeah, and he got um, some of... Um, 
uh, Prof's CDs. And he was like, have you guys heard of uh, Professor Elemental? And we we're like, I don't think so. He's like, you need to hear Fighting Trousers. You need to hear, uh, I think it's a cup of brown. <laughs> and then it was like, what? And we saw it. And he was like, there's a genre called Chap Hop. And I was like, Chap Hop? And as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is fucking amazing. So He's do you want to tell us what Chap Hop kind of is? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, but it's... It's a tricky one to describe because I've, if, if someone described it to me as a hip, because I'm a hip hop fan, a massive b-boy for many years, and if someone described chap hop for me, to me and I'd never heard of it, I would potentially think it sounded shit. <laughs> in the, I think it's a fine line. It's, it's, it's hip hop music with a kind of layer of satire over the top, um, which allows not only um, a few select rappers to sort of parody the British class system, but also to rap about really unusual and stupid subjects like cups of tea and wearing the correct trousers uh, <laughs> and pixies and garden fates and that sort of thing. Um, so it's a very it's a very silly form of hip hop. And in some ways, it kind of harkens back to the kind of late 80s when hip-hop was fairly experimental and everybody was just picking it up uh, and doing weird stuff with it. Uh, mm. So that's, that's, the, that's where, we, where we've taken rap music and some people have loved it. And to be honest, it hasn't in any way caught on. There's still only three people doing it 15 years later. <laughs> And there's what is you, and also you had that sort of um, the feud in air quotes with it was uh, Mr. B, was it the gentleman uh, rhymer? Is that it? That's true. I did pick a fight with the only other person doing the form of music that I'm doing because he lived in the same town as me and coincidentally <laughs> started at the same time as me. So I was like, right, I'm not having that. He's obviously copying me. He couldn't have come up with that idea on his own. And of course, he had come up with that idea on his own. And then we both apologised for 10 years afterwards because we're British. <laughs> and did, so did you two... It's just what we do. But we are very... Yeah, I mean, the, the British element of chat pop is quite a big thing. And I want to ask, though, did you, uh, Mr. B, and then this potential third person, did you guys kind of all inadvertently create the genre or did it already exist in some way? No, it, we totally did. And, and the, the weirdness of him and I starting at the same time in the same small town was very strange. Mr. B, before doing his current stuff, was in a band called Collapsed Lung in the 90s um, that had a sort of, you know, had a couple of hits and did, did really well. And so he's, he's been in music for years and years and then just decided to do that as his next thing. And I, I did The Professor as a little one-off accidental show and then decided, oh my God, this is, I love this. This is much more fun than being a proper rapper. Um, <laughs> and there's a guy uh, called Thomas Wilde and a woman called Madame Misfit and a couple of other people who've taken it on as well. But yeah, it was, it was was a pure coincidence um and i love that about it, actually it's mental and steve how did you first hear of uh, prof's music well uh one of the writers on my site a dear friend called scott hamilton said to me much like your boss said to you mike hey have you ever heard of professor elemental i said no he goes well think doctor who meets 2000 ad meets steampunk meets comic books and i said <laughs> don't stop talking you, you had me on, on the first line let me hear this stuff because well i'm actually chatting to him can i interview him for the website i said yeah who do i have to kill <laughs> and the rest as they say is history we did a two-part interview one with paul albra the man himself and one with the prof both were completely different and nuts and then professor and i've been chatting ever since he's been a guest on my podcast i've gone to see him live and uh we've become i, I, I hope i'm not overstepping mark we've become good mates and uh we talk comics and nonsense on a regular basis and because of steve being like the king of comics as well 
Is it like having like that that lovely connection share as well? Just kind of like, what's that, Steve? What's going on? What's out there? Well, I tell you, you might want to try this, 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 and this, but don't read that. Like that's lo- you know that's a lovely thing. That's a bond. <laughs> like, that is an unbreakable bond between two nerds, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because because yes. I heard um, as I said, I, well, I've heard your music before as, as many years ago now, but like um, I first heard you as a in air quotes as a person rather than like a performer on the Superheroes for Dummies podcast because you guys spoke about Plastic Man who I'd never heard of, except I realise that <laughs> I've got top... I used to be a massive Top Trump collector. I had about 60 or 70 packs of them. I had all the Marvel ones, DC, etc. which is one of the reasons I have this weird peripheral knowledge of certain superheroes that I'm like, I know the name of, and I've never seen anything about them, and I can name one fact, because Top Trump has the little <laughs> fact files. And I remember seeing Plastic Man on there years ago, and I think I'd forgotten it, and I cracked out the Top Trumps with Megan the other day for a laugh, and Plastic Man was on there, and I'm like, out of 30 cards of the biggest DC characters, how did Plastic Man get in there? And I know you're answer prof is going to be because he's the greatest hero ever (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i love that i love that even you know even not knowing who he was you immediately thought oh he looks shit like that that's why i love him because immediately anybody who encounters him who doesn't know him goes oh god he looks awful and i think i feel a great kinship with that from all the times i've walked into rap ciphers or you know other people's gigs particularly in the times i've been in some kind of cosplay or fancy dress and been that guy where everyone turns around and goes oh my god he's not going to get up on stage like that is he oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's a lot to be said for that when i when i before i discovered the prof when I was just doing sort of Brighton hip hop and there was a, you know, there's still a lovely Brighton hip hop scene, but in the kind of generation of it um, that I came up in, it was, it was, it sort of started out quite uh, eclectic and quite silly. And then it got a bit more straightforward and a bit more straight up sort of battle rhymers and things. But in the early days, people were doing some quite odd stuff. And I remember thinking, oh, well, you can, you can rap, you could do anything. And like, I went on stage once dressed as a cowboy and did this song about square dancing. <laughs> just looking out at this sea of angry people was sort of the best and the worst experience I could ever have. It's like, once you've done something that bad and that embarrassing, you can do anything. It's a kind of freedom that comes with letting go of your kind of sense, sense of anything cool or sensible. It's lovely. And I was in a really good hip-hop band that I broke up single-handedly because of an argument because <gasps> I wanted to wear an Easter bonnet on stage and they wouldn't let me. Yoko! I know, I know. <laughs> it was a lovely bonnet. I'd found it in the, in the toilets and I was like, look, I just found this. Why don't I wear this for the gig? Like, no, well, I'm not doing it then. And then we split up. Oh, wow. Dear. I mean, you hear about like rock and roll stories of bands splitting up and you hear like... That's you the best like, one. Exactly. You hear like, you see the, the biopics of like Rocket Man and Motley Crue and all these ones and you get the Professor Elemental ones. Like, yeah, oh. broke up the last band because it wouldn't let me wear a bonnet on stage. It's like... <laughs> That's the kind of hip hop that I live for. That's yeah, rock and roll to me. But I would ask, with obviously the genre of chap hop, obviously is quite associated with British culture and things. I wondered how people outside of Britain kind of perceive it because I'd have a, a thing that I would assume Americans probably half of them love it and the other half absolutely hate it. But I, I'd be interested to know. I've been all, I've been very very lucky with Amer- American audiences. They've been really kind because America. I sort of look how how Americans perceive all of England to be 
America, you know, we've got grand ideas of our sort of special relationship. As far as I've seen, Americans look at us as this funny little novelty island that, that <laughs> serve tea and live in downtown Abbey. And they, just, and they don't think beyond that because we're not as important as we think we are. British people are not, we, our place on the world stage is not what people think it is. Um, and so they find us a funny little novelty. In turn, I'm a funny little novelty popping along. Um, don't make stand-up comedy jokes about American flags or gun control. I have learned that um, mm. lesson. Yes, quite that's a rough sell <laughs> in, in Texas. That was a, that was a s- strange moment for me. But other than that, they've been they are the nicest audience. Although they do whoop at fucking everything. Like it's brilliant when you first do it. Like oh my god, they love me. Oh no, they just love everything. And literally, you can say anything at all and they go whoa yeah whoa and, and I chested it I started saying really awful things I was like you whoop at everything and like whoa whoa yeah I'm a massive racist whoa whoa yeah whoa. <laughs> anything they would just they would just whoop and cheer out which can be when you're used to a British audience that can be a, a bit tricky sometimes because I quite like the dynamic of having to win people over like if I get someone up on stage I want to make them feel good but there's a kind of uncomfortable dynamic that you have to play off to get the kind of comedic tension out of it. And that doesn't work in America because everybody you pick out of the audience is just so happy to be there that there's no comedy to be had. They're like, yep, I'll do anything. Why do you want me to do it? Like, oh, ah, no, you're supposed to feel slightly uncomfortable and then I make you feel better. The power <laughs> dynamic's been ruined. Well, also, I feel like with your, uh, your genre especially, like it must be weird because certain hits kind of go viral in a sense. I think Fighting Trousers was one of those. And there's certain kind of beats you have to hit because I presume that the live element is one thing that really helps you when you play at festivals because yeah, yeah, with, with a genre... It seems like not a huge amount of people would necessarily search for chap hop unless someone else tells them about it. But then if you go to a music festival, you've had a drink or whatever else, and you walk up to a stage, you see someone wearing what you're wearing, a lot of steampunky stuff, exactly. like a steampunk zookeeper. And then you come out there and it's I like... like that. <laughs> My God, that's the next album title sorted. Steampunk zookeeper. <laughs> Lovely. So it's, it's, I assume live then, do you get a lot more people you find going to you at festivals? Because like, oh my God, what's this guy doing? And then, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and it's a real... It's a real test that as well because if I'm at a steampunk event, you can get a bit idea. I think particularly early on when I had a nice little bump and steampunk was sort of on the come up, and I was playing loads of those kind of events for fellow nerds. Mm. There was a there was a brief period where I turned into not a very nice person, just sort of just a little bit too big for my boots, and thinking, oh, fuck, I can do, I can smash any stage. I'm amazing. People love me. And then did started doing sort of more mainstream festivals where people don't have a clue who you are, and that separates the wheat from the chaff of how. How, how actually good are you because you've got to keep them entertained and they have no clue who you are beyond the novelty um, and yeah that's kind of br- brings it back down to earth a little bit which is really good that's what I wrote the next the next album is all about the professor's ego getting like spiralling out of control from doing too many live shows and then some terrible things happening to break him <laughs> bring him back down to earth break him like Batman in the 90s we're going to break him Ooh. down I will break you I will break you I considered <laughs> having his back broken but I thought it might be a bit extreme so I've broken something else <laughs> I'm sure you could get someone to dress up like a steampunk sort of Bane couldn't you that wouldn't be quite that <laughs> hard that would be quite cool to get steam, steampunk I'll, I'll, I'll do it I'll put on a mask wrestler's um, outfit and then break my back trying to pick you up to break your back. I mean, you really, you could just, you could just come along in a wrestling mask and kick me in the shins and that'd be me finished. I'm I'm, I'm pretty flimsy. I'm basically I am half Spanish, so I can do the Latin American thing. I will break you, Professor Elemental. 
<laughs> I quite like that idea. This, this is so far been a very useful um, chat in terms of providing me with inspiration at a bit of a stark time in the world. I've got zookeepers, I've got you in a wrestling mask. It's coming up nicely. Well, all my writing staff at Dark Knight News and Fantastic Universes have fallen in love with you because of what we've done on, on, on the site. And uh, DC Comics News now have followed suit since um, your appearance on Superheroes for Dummies. So your American audience is growing one nerd at a time, brother. <laughs> one nerd at a time. But it's kind of a gift and a curse being involved in sort of nerd culture at the moment because it's great because you can pick up many more people than you would normally and it's more mainstream, but also there's more people doing the kind of podcasts and fan things, you know, and the companies have kind of latched onto that as well. So it's a crowded market, but there's enough love and enough nerds to go around and enough funny things happening, I think. Here's, here's a question for you. Have you ever thought of doing a comic, a Professor Elemental comic or anything? Funny or you should done? mention that, yes, Sonny. Um, yeah, we've done oh. five. We've done five issues so far of the Professor comic. Um, I was going to say. And even comics. had, like, some people that I just absolutely adore to do to do the covers. There's a weird thing of being a grown-up and being in creative stuff by yourself with no backing and then going, oh, I wonder if I wrote to so-and-so whether I could get them to do a cover, say. And, you know, sometimes you just get ignored, but there's the odd person who's come back, like Charlie Adlard from the uh, the Walking Amazing. Dead comic. He's done a couple of covers for me for things and is the nicest man in the world. And this, this, I think as a fanboy, you sort of elevate the people that you like in the way that you would have done when you were like a nine-year-old. Go, cool, imagine be working with them. And of course, then you suddenly realise you're a frigging grown-up and actually you've got a budget for this sort of stuff. You can just simply pay them to work with them in a normal way. And that's, yeah, so... Yes, and also it's introduced, there's a chap called Chris Mole who's done, written nearly all of the comics, um, and he is involved in the small press scene. He does some really good comics himself, um, and has just introduced me to all these amazing small press artists and writers, um, and reminded me that there is a world beyond superheroes. I'm a big, kind of, I'm a big DC fan, but it's nice, it's nice to be reminded oh, that yeah, the, like, the comic art form can stretch far, far beyond what we're regularly given. Mm, yeah, I mean, I'll have to pick up those comics then. I'm trying to get into more, you know, indie comics and things. Well, I just want to get them and then what I want is for, um, you know, the world to stop passively ending. Well, uh, someone on my podcast called it the passive yeah. apocalypse. So it's just like, it's like a really slow, boring apocalypse. It is a slow apocalypse. I'm going to talk about that in my show this afternoon, actually. How boring and slow it is. Like, fucking yeah, let's crack apocalypse. on, shall we? That's, exactly <laughs> That's that. a good one. The problem with the indie comics, that it, it, like, for me anyway, is I often go, I, it's, it's a bit like trying to watch indie films as opposed to watching a blockbuster. You feel very worthy, and I'll often stride into Brighton Library where the only comics they've got are things like Mum's Cancer, A Diary, or Three Weeks in Sarajevo in the 90s. These sort of black and white comics that are like huge and thick, and I'll get a load of them out, and I'll start wading through them thinking, well, this is very worthwhile. And then out the corner of my eye, there'll be a gaudy little superhero fight going on on another kind of trashy comic I'm like, I'll, I'll just read i'll just read a couple of superman <laughs> comics then i'll get back to this one about bosnia <laughs> vault comics are the ones you guys want to look at brilliant little independent company and they're killing it everything they produce they don't have like a hundred titles they've got like 10 but all of them are brilliant yeah there's been some really good stuff actually ahoy comics have done some good stuff yes in the American i love ahoy and just the, the best things that I've read in, in terms of Britain are the, just the tiny little kick-started, you know, really, really small ones. Um, oh, yeah. I'll have to... When you put this podcast out, I'll have to send a few, like, links that you can include with it for mm. places for people to get their small press comics. 
Yeah, 100%. And um, what we can do as well, we can get the comics and then we can try and get uh, Tony of Indie Comics Spotlight and we can do a very special episode. I know he always listens to these shows. So this is me now saying to him, he has to do it. I'll buy the comics. We'll get you on and we'll talk about your comic with you, Prof. Yeah, that'd be good. Or we'll all buy the same comics and then discuss, like honestly, you know, discuss a few of the the weird and wonderful things that are out there. We'll try and find some of the the weirdest ones. I'm sure if we get in touch with listeners and uh, and readers, people will recommend the strange shit for us because all of that that's the nice thing about doing a weird act for a living is you attract other weird people and (laughs) so like when i've just sort of found my tribe doing this like doing sci-fi conventions steampunks you meet weirdos like steve (laughs) and even and and people nearly as weird as him (laughs) yeah i like myself like i I would not be offended (laughs) <laughs> I would be offended being called weird. It is a cool thing though, isn't it? Because like with our sort of little podcast network we got especially, like I've met quite a few people through Steve's, uh, you know, Superheroes for Dummies and a lot of the other shows. And it's just like, once you kind of get in with one, it's almost like a domino effect of all the sort of collaborations and people you can just meet. It's mental. It's lovely. And I just, you know, those those little communities that have replaced more traditional sort of uh, local communities now that we're in this sort of digital age they bring a great sense of comfort to me because they're really easy to latch onto and for all of the terrible awful things about the internet and social media and stuff there's something really beautiful about the fact that no matter how introverted you are or how depressed you are or what you're struggling with you can connect up with people who will give you a bit of support and comfort i've seen in the steampunk world just the most beautiful things of like a local steampunk group and somebody drops out or goes quiet for a bit or has mental health problems or has to have an operation and they don't have much friends or family and people just swarm in there and i'm sure if you're listening to this and you have a like a subculture whether it's furries or steam trains or batman once your podcast once you connect up with people it's a good reminder isn't it that you're kind of like we're all in a little we you know we're all good people basically the world's full of good people no matter how it seems otherwise the tribe phrase is yeah, a great yeah it's one. all about oh, tribes, I love, isn't it? I love a tribe love a good really tribe is. Mm, yeah it is it's very powerful and uh, you mentioned that steampunk actually and steampunk's always been something that i've been quite intrigued by i've never had like sort of the full steampunk garb but one of my favorite things is specifically like mechanical and gears and whatnot nice. i've got loads of pocket watches that i just love and any excuse whenever i go outside whenever it's um whenever i can go into the world normally when i'm out drinking or i go to, like a festival anything like that i wear like a bracelet full of uh, uh, my arm is full of bracelets all kinds of different crazy mm. ones and things all the way up and then i've got necklaces on and then i've got a pocket watch as well so I've just got the full sort of jewellery of steampunk, but none of the actual gear. But trying to explain what it is, I feel like I could maybe do it justice, but I think you're in the world more. So if you want to, anyone who's not already aware what steampunk is, do you want to just kind of tell the listeners? Yeah, it's another one that's quite hard to define. Steampunk, as far as I've seen, is the subculture that everybody who never found another subculture ended up in. It's full of people that just didn't fit into any of the other things. All the sort of happy goths and weird, slightly camp middle-aged rappers. All they all end up piled into steampunk. Um, and they, people like it for sort of different reasons. Some people just love the sort of fancy dress element of it. Other people love the camaraderie. A lot of people just like the heavy daytime drinking that's involved and crazy music. <laughs> so it does. It it does bring quite an eclectic group of people. And because because it's like a it's so nerdy that it goes beyond I don't know if you're at a comic convention say as I've been to many of them there you know there's the traditional comic book guy kind of nerd that's often there that might be going well that cosplay is not correct because it well you didn't look like that in the 70s comics or whatever but in steampunk because it's very hard to define there's not very much of that because it doesn't matter if you just kind of like I mean all of these clothes I get my jackets made nice but the rest just comes from charity shops I spent 15 years in 
dead old man's trousers. <laughs> dead old man's fighting trousers. And it doesn't matter. Like no one's ever gone. Oh, your your trousers are a bit shit, Professor. Because you can just you can wear whatever you like, or you can not bother to dress up at all. Sometimes my dad will come along to gigs. Sometimes my kids will come along to gigs, and both are sort of equally welcome. Your dad so was there when that's I went. The nicest Paul. thing about it, it's incredibly welcoming. Apparently, not not to do America a disservice, but I have heard that yeah america can sometimes be a little bit more cliquey and that's a very general statement covering an awful lot of people but i've yeah i've seen more rifts in america than i have in england but england's so small and such a tiny little world that generally we tend to gather all in together mm. i didn't explain it at all then basically <laughs> what the actual definition is it's ste- <laughs> it's victorian steampunks victorian science fiction shit that mm. sort of stuff if you like victorian stuff and you like science fiction uh, and vaguely kinky things. That is it. <laughs> Basically, technology evolved using steam and coal and flame rather than oil and electricity and digital nonsense. Yeah, a lot of gears and stuff. Why are you been. so much better at this than me, Steve? I've been doing this for years. I still can't do a decent job of describing it. That's basically it. <laughs> yeah, my, my favourite elements of steampunk is when you can see, like, um, you get you can get computer cases made or even, like, full-on clocks, and it just has all the gears showing. And, yeah, it's like it's like dirty sci-fi, which is one of my favourite things. Is um, like I, See, I love I love Star Wars, and Millennium Falcon's kind of dirty sci-fi but but district yeah. nine and like uh, the neil blomkamp films where it's like not all chrome i don't like it when it's everything's all shiny and perfect sci-fi i like it when it's like a dirty junk yeah, you want to see the wires yeah. yeah i get that dirty sci-fi is a really good description of it there's a, a an act that i haven't worked with for age but she's a lovely friend called sarah anglis and she had an act called moondog and she's a scientist as well as a musician and so she was really good at robotics so she would have like dolls hooked up to play the theremin and this weird robot crow (laughs) and all these kind of like creatures but all of it like the wires you could see the wires pouring out of the back of the doll and it was just everything was completely exposed and it somehow that was a proper bit of dirty sci-fi it's quite satisfying isn't it it's a bit more bit more it makes it a bit more real the last comic-con i was at Hmm. robots you were just saying and you with star wars mike Someone built a steam-powered um, R2-D2, and it was a roaming around on the oh, floor. Wow. I'll send you pictures later. That thing was awesome. You two would have lost your shit because it was fantastic. Oh, my God. Brilliant. That sounds, yeah, that really brings everything Glow together. The Amazing. <laughs> I, I love seeing concept art of steampunk. I've seen like Darth Vader's suit in steampunk where it's got like gears and things in the front, and you've got a bit of smoke coming out the back, and you're like, that just looks so cool. <laughs> There's a friend of mine in America who does a steam... I don't know if he still does it, actually, but Steampunk Boba Fett. Oh, um, man. And he just he managed to get the perfect Steampunk Boba Fett costume together. And just by virtue of having this incredibly cool costume, I think he still had a day job, but he spent all of his life being asked to go to conventions and travel the entire world just through virtue of his love of this particular character and having this amazing costume. And I, I sort of really... I like that, you know, in terms of that sort of cheesy... You can achieve your dreams. Like, you to- if you've got a really weird idea if you carry it about as far as you possibly can it's amazing where it can take you in the world mm. and steve i have interest just to t- dip into your comic knowledge are there any uh steampunk either versions of marvel and dc or or indie comics are there any comics that kind of tackle steampunk apart from potentially the prof one sadly no but you do like the prof said see so many amazing cosplayers at conventions who really some of these costumes make movie costumes look crap. 
So I've true. seen so, a so Hulkbuster and an ABC warrior at comic conventions that have just made me go, what the actual F am I in Mega City <laughs> 1 right now? If only. Uh, maybe that's our niche. That's what we should do. We should start writing steampunk versions. Victoriana gone mad. Oh, hang on. There's a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I guess. That's kind of-ish. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose mm. that's probably oh, right. yeah. And that was a big influence when I first started writing random songs for this, not thinking it was mm. going anywhere. That was a huge influence on me, that comic, of just kind mm. of taking those original stories and twisting them and making fun of them. I think I, ju- I literally I just finished reading the one that yeah. has got the sort of Dr. Moreau stuff in it when I wrote my little animal yeah. magic song about sticking their heads on different animals. So yeah, that's a big... But the steampunk and comics, you'd think it would... Heaven. I mean, there are steampunk comics out there, but they don't really grab me that much. It's weird. So I find the same with horror. I really love horror movies, but I don't ever get scared at horror comics. I still haven't found a, a horror comic that's genuinely frightened me. Not since Alan Moore and Jamie strange, Delano, anyway. It's strange. Some things mm. don't, don't yeah. work in different sort of formats. Yeah, well, I think a lot of horror now, unfortunately, it you've got the sort of two types of horror, because I'm, I'm a fairly big horror fan as well, but mm. I will say, as much as I love horror films, the majority of horror films are quite shit. Oh, That's all... the problem. The good ones are fucking phenomenal, and some of the indie horror films are some of the best you'll ever see, but the thing is that it's such a fine line, because you get the jump-scary horrors, which really is just you need to play really loud music at the right time and yeah, it can work absolutely. in certain ways if you go down that route but to find something that genuinely scares and creeps people out and makes them like afterwards go oof Jesus like I've probably only seen maybe five films in my life and two of them are the Blair Witch films so it's <laughs> you know what I mean and that one of them was one that's quite young because well, everyone's got different mileage just like comedy mm. different things make us laugh different things make us scared there'll be there'll be things that I'll watch with friends that will utterly terrify me and they'll be fine with and vice versa that they'll be disgusted by and I'll be like nah it's no big deal so so yeah, it's hard. I don't, because I watch so many though. Like it's a bit like reading comics and liking hip hop. You just have to work through a lot of shit to find the good stuff, don't you? But but, yeah. but I have seen so many good ones recently that are just you know exactly as you say those indie films that are just like oh my god that was so worthwhile. There's one I watched the other day called The Night, just about a couple trapped in a hotel. And it worked with very little. It had very little budget. There was much, they didn't have much to do, but it was one of those ones where the rules of the world were all kind of like going back in on themselves and they'd open one door and actually there'd be the corridor where a minute ago there was a wall, all that kind of head fucky kind of stuff. And yeah, I watched it on my own. It scared the crap out of me. I was delighted. I've never been so happy to be terrified. Mm. Check out Hill House Comics, guys. Joe Hill's imprint. Oh, yeah, for I'm DC. reading that at the moment. I'm reading the Stephen plunge at the minute. Yeah. He's done some great stuff. Yeah, I'm really going to dig through those because I'm a huge Joe Hill fan. I just, yeah, I really like all of his Basketful books. Basketful of stunning. hits. Is it good? I'm a di- I love that. Oh, it's that's brilliant. the next thing I'll buy. I'm going to work my way through those. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Joe Hill. Um, and yeah, him and a, him, there's a writer called Paul Tremblay as well who is amazing. He's so good. Yeah, really and, uh, good. yeah every book that he does, I've just been just eat them up. What's your favourite horror Oops. film, you two? Oh, favourite horror film? Yeah, if you had to choose. I know we're veering off the subject, but... No, no, it's... Well, I want to talk about anything. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm torn because I, I've probably got a couple. I say the original Blair Witch, nothing scared me like that did. Really? Um, but I was I was quite young, but I still think it, if you watch the whole thing and you're in the right mindset, it can be. Yeah. I think The Woman in Black is actually surprisingly one of the best horror films I've the seen. stage shows fantastic oh, well, well. It is. I've heard that, yeah. Megan's um, oh. seen that. Mm, yeah, yeah good, a good, decent ghost story. There's a lot to be said for it, isn't there? That's really, yeah. Yeah, I think aside from that, I mean, because there's quite a few sort of mid-range ones that are good. Like The Conjuring is good. The Insidious is all right, except the ending. You know, there's, <laughs> there's quite a few from Sinister's pretty good. Um, I'll tell you what, what's a great one? Rubber. The, the tire that gets possessed. Have you seen that one? I don't have a lot of time. But I, find, <laughs> I find ones that know how to do they are. Annoy me. 
Like, oh, it's no Nazis or a, t- a scary tie. All oh, the cows have come back to life. I can't be doing with that. I want. Well, Rubber's a comedy one. It's literally just. It's so dumb. It's it's one of those films <laughs> no, that really? knows it. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't like them knowing it. Like we watched. There was a, a '90s film called Castle Freak. Um, and it was a real running joke with me and my friends and it was so bleak and unpleasant and we'd occasionally show it to people because it became a running joke and we'd forget how horrible it was and we'd lose new <laughs> friends to our social group knowing them this film go, oh no it's really funny oh oh yeah that bit happens oh, oh sorry no, don't go oh shit um, is that what you based I like horror on? Um, yes track I like exactly horror. That, that's the moments of that sort of film but they've remade Castle Freak, and we've got together like, oh. well, we haven't got high expectations of this, boys. We no, we walked together, um, and it was, Why? it was like, it, there's like a single tear of joy coming down my cheek as I say this. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was so beautiful in that it was even more unpleasant, uh, horribly no. acted. But no one seemed to know how bad the movie was, and that's such a rare thing these days. Normally, it's all done with a bit of a wink and a smile, and well, we know we know where this is a bit shit. But it was it was amazing. It was a perfect balance of genuinely horrifying and truly hilarious at the same time. It's, it's a rare thing to pull off. <coughs> <laughs> so yeah, try the Newcastle freak if uh, if you want to lose more friends. <laughs> I'll give. I'll make a mental note of that. Um, I can't think. That, that, there's a couple of weirder films that I've seen, but Steve, is there um, any horror films that jump out at you that you can think of? I see. I'm old. I'm older than both of you, gentlemen. Mm. So for me, the, the Omen movies still stand up incredibly mm, they were well, scary, particularly though. the second one. Um, I mean, I do like comedy horror. For me, the Evil Dead movies, Bruce Campbell's Evil oh, Dead movies. Yes. I, I will love them till <laughs> the day I die. And, and having met him and interviewed him even more so, he just killed... It wasn't an interview. He ended up talking to me and making me cry with laughter. That, that was the actual <laughs> real gist of that interview. He just destroyed me. My brother calls but, um, him Juicy Brucey. So oh, he's, he's always he's awesome. called him My brother showed me the Evil Honestly, Dead movies, and he's insane. He's, but the new yeah, Evil he's Dead... He's a nut job. The new Evil huh? Dead is the new Evil Dead film is not funny, but it's it's I thought it was really good because oh, it's okay, but right. he just needed a cameo from Bruce. That he is true. He needed a little something. It was just another just horror a, film. Yeah, okay. I mean, I just can't see those films. I mean, the, the show. Did you watch the series? Yeah, I've seen series one. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. It's mental. Ash vs. the Evil Dead is oh, no, incredible. It's really good. Oh, 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 Prof. Is it good? Seriously, yeah. It's- it makes the movies look tame. Lovely. Mm. Well, that sounds grand. The scene in the morgue, that's all I'm going to tell you about. <laughs> oh, it's fan. I'll send you them. I've got a Yeah, oh, please do. I'd be delighted. It's, him, it's, it's Bruce ramped up. It's, it's just, well, Ash, but it's him ramped up to like full Bruce Campbell. And it's just him, all his badassery rolled up. It, it's ramped up. It's so good. <laughs> Lovely. Spinal Tap Evil Dead. It's Bruce Campbell turned up to 11. Beautiful. <laughs> now that does sound it's worthwhile. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, I, I don't know how it's quite good. I quite like the one of the few the, the silver lining to the pandemic, and one of it is it's slowed popular culture down to a stage where I can actually engage, and I feel like it's yeah. a video game that I can finally complete. And that I'm yeah. nearly, I've nearly finished telly, nearly done all the telly now. <laughs> I was always <laughs> on telly, done it all, read all the books, seen all the comics, brilliant. I'm yeah. basically I'm about three weeks away from just being able to just drop dead because I would have done everything. <laughs> Oh, that's good. I've read everything now. Goodbye. <laughs> Don't you dare. You die, I'll track you down and kill you. Stop it. <laughs> oh, no, I've finished. I reckon I'll, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to die because I'm just, it would just be, rela- it, as uh, James Acaster said, it'd be, it's nice, but it's too much of a good thing in it, time. It's just like, I want to lay down. I want to have a good old, I just want to rest. So I am in some ways quite looking forward to the end times. 
God. So tired. So very tired. Take a couple of years off for tax reasons, like um, the guy in Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah, I do. Maybe I do need to just yeah, just vanish for a bit. But <laughs> I know what happened. If back. I vanished for a bit, I'd spend the whole time I was vanished going, ooh, I've, I've hidden away. And then I'd burst back on the scene like, hey, guys, I'm back. And no one would notice. <laughs> like, oh, have you, had you been gone? Yeah. Just, oh. <laughs> that was a waste. Oh, we thought you just gone down to the shops. Yeah, exactly. A bit like when I get really angry. Like if I'm in my most angry, you know, when you get fucking enraged, like you've had a an argument that's tipped you over the edge, you, you know, and you're beyond rational thinking, and you just you go a bit too far, whatever that means to you, with a big shouty argument and you smash something or whatever. Um, it's always after that that whoever I've been angry at, you know, they'll oh, calm down and I'll say, I'm so I'm so sorry about the way I behave. That's just not like me, and universally go oh my god i didn't notice were you were you there <laughs> yes i was, just, I was terrifyingly enraged didn't you oh. <laughs> i just thought you needed a biscuit yeah. or snickers oh you're a bit tired mm, fine you're awful when you're hungry paul have a snickers <laughs> That is, the, that is the funniest part. Like, you're representing chap hop in a way, and then it's like you get enraged and people don't even know you're angry because no, British people are so resilient. Too much time being, like, ridiculous and flimsy that, like, as soon as you start getting angry, like, oh, that's even funnier. Now, like, you're trying to be serious. Like the end of the duel. Brilliant. You're both angry at each other for half the song and then you end up apologising. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly that. I love it. Oh. Well, linking in with that, that's a nice way to loop back. What made you get into music in, in a sense because obviously you were um you were in a band you say that you broke up because of the bonding <laughs> situation and then you went solo how long have you been sort of involved in music and has it always been vaguely rap related yeah i mean i haven't got any musical talent so <laughs> it's all been you know rap was my only option if i i had the lead part in bugsy malone in high school and they said well, you're perfect for this paul we'll just give you you need some singing lessons and the singing teacher took me in for a month and eventually he said, I, I can't do this anymore. You can't be in the play because <laughs> you will never be able to sing. <laughs> what do you mean? So, yes, yeah, so I, I, I had no choice and oh, wow. zero musical talent. But I think, you know, hip hop was per the perfect way to be sort of slightly rebellious when you live in a small village outside Ipswich. Um, and no one else likes it and your dad hates it and it's perfect and I'm in the 90s so like it's the big thing so that's you know yeah. like like loads of other ageing b-boys that's how I sort of got into it um, and also rap you know rap music was really funny when I got into it in the like late 80s early 90s it was all fresh prints and there was a guy called Humpty Hump who was actually oh, wow. another rapper called Shock it's G and he would pretend to be another member of his group this guy Humpty Hump by putting on a big golden fake nose and changing his voice slightly and they had loads <laughs> of hits and stuff they did really well for themselves and I come it out in my funny hat and everyone thinks it's ridiculous like did you not you not been watching hip hop this is what they used to do so and yeah Roxanne, and Roxanne got, and Roxanne's grandfather and Roxanne's cousin and Roxanne's <laughs> auntie and Roxanne's dog going on <laughs> I've got one rap. I've got one rap record from like like the late eighties called Smurf Trek, and it's a yes. concept song of just the Smurfs in Star Trek, and it's got no. There's no explanation for it. They just that's just what happens for a bit, and then it stops. So that's yeah. So I got into the weirdness, and then thank God I managed to find Tom Caruana, who produces all of the music pretty much. Him and a guy called Mr. Frisbee, but Tom Caruana's done all the Professor stuff, and um, he's just the nicest man. He's like a beautiful hobbit who lives in the woodlands and makes me beats um and thanks to him i was able to connect with other like-minded weird rappers who i get to team up with and again again once you once you get to like 40 and beyond 
you don't have to worry about ever thinking you might look cool or what people might think of you and you can just find people you want to hang out with and make whatever music you like because nothing nothing really matters anymore it's great isn't it <laughs> magic mid-late is brilliant i love it just don't have to give a fuck about anything it's great not a single flying fuck is given <laughs> i mean i do have to feed my children and pay them more <laughs> but i'll be on that i've got not a care in the world <laughs> Just those two simple things. Just those basic, just the basic. But again, that's you know that that's the motivation for keeping going. Where you know a lot of a lot of people, particularly during lockdown, understandably, a lot of creative people have been like, oh, you know, I can't be creative at the moment. You know, there's a lot of pressures on doing the same thing over and over again. Whereas I haven't really had a problem with that because I'm just the terror of getting a real job if this doesn't work out keeps me absolutely firing on all cylinders all the time. You don't have to start working. Jesus Christ, imagine it. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah, well, I'm already there. It's not fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really... And you do anything you can to get out of it. And if you get out of it, you want to stay out of it. It took years. I, ten, I spent 10 years in a call centre before this. So, you know, you don't want to go back there. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> no. Worst years of my life. Mm, yeah, I mean, I worked um, where I'm at now is all right. I'm work, homeworking and stuff. But, you know, I get to kind of do my own schedule. So a lot of the time it's, you know, uh, doing the hours that I am paid for. But, you know, really, it's just doing whatever I kind of feel like, but overworking myself when I am working to make it look like I've spent a whole day yeah, working. A lot of people That's are doing it. that. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, you're still doing the same amount of work, but just kind of cramming it into really The last hour. <laughs> into a really, should you be putting this on a podcast and I'm sharing it the world under your real name? boss isn't listening to this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I just send an email every hour or so just to make it look like I'm doing something. Just that's how. <laughs> you I'm not quite that bad. the entire rest of the working world. Everybody I know is doing that at the moment. It's brilliant. What's the worst jobs you've both had? What's your worst What's the what's the t- most terrible job you've ever had? I worked in HMV for four or five months, and it was great for the day shift. Um, that was one of my first proper jobs. I worked at Clinton's Cards. I did a few odd jobs and things before that, but it was while I was in college and it was over Christmas. And yeah, while I was in store, it was great because I could, you know, I got to look through DVDs, I'm a massive film buff and, you know, could stack loads of stuff and you'd have people actually come up to you and say, oh, I want a recommendation on films. I'm like, I didn't even know people did this in shops. You know, this was like mm-hmm. 10 years ago now, but still. And um, it was awesome. But then it would turn to night and I was doing nights from 9 p.m. till 5.30 in the morning. And they had half the staff that they had from the year before of the amount of extra temps they hired, but more work. And they said, if the work isn't done by 5.30, you need to stay and do it. And there was times where we'd be working to like 10 in the morning, like four and a half hours late. And you'd, you'd complain to the bosses and they'd go, well, you're not working smart enough. It's you who's the problem. And all the people who'd been there, who've been there for a couple of years, going like, this is bullshit because we know there's about eight less people this year than there were last year and there's more work to do. So we know that it's not... And, and I remember there's one guy who kind of started as a temp like I did. Uh, and he said... I'm not staying past six o'clock. And they said, oh, okay, next day. He wasn't there. No, <laughs> he was just never there again. Because when you're on the temp contract, and it's within a certain amount of months, they don't have to give a reason to fire you. So you can stomp your feet all you want. They'll just kick you out and there's nothing you can do. So that was that was quite shit where I'd not only doing nights of, you know, starting 9 p.m. You'd come home from work on the bus or walking, depending how early it was, at like seven, eight in the morning. And you'd be coming from work, but people would be going to work. So it'd be like, I haven't finished my day yet, but my day now is your yesterday and your day's <laughs> by tomorrow and just thinking of that after however many hours was just horrendous so (laughs) that's my that's that's pretty bad i was reading about the sort of the the things that um delivery drivers are having to deal with in terms of Mm. like zero hour contracts and that being an and i think that's going to be one of the real problems of covid is people are going to end up on more and more 
delicate sort of working conditions. And I think, yeah, that's my that's my my big worry is that these horrible, nasty corporations. Because once you are like that, you can kick up just the tiniest little bit of fuss, and as you say, you can be out on your ear. I've been that person myself. Or you try and rally the rest of the employees. I've done that. I remember doing that in a call centre, going, right, everyone, this is unfair, and everyone goes, yeah, this is awful, isn't it? Yeah. Well, why don't we all go to the boss and tell them so? And they're like, yeah. And then you walk up to the boss and say, we think this is terrible, and you look behind you and you're on your own. I've had that so many times. Like, oh, anyone, anyone gonna? Oh, fuck! It's me again. Yeah, I'm fired. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll just. Uh, I understand. <laughs> I'll just get my coat. Yeah. What about you, Steve? Have you worked anywhere yeah, horrendous? What's your worst? Oh, definitely call centre, and it, it was a time when um, they started not just dealing with the UK customers, but customers of the US as well. Mm. So having to work shifts that covered like east coast and west coast Ooh, so yeah, like eight hours um oh that was i mean never again <laughs> call centers are the worst things in the world because a honestly and, and no offense against the public but most of the public are fucking idiots <laughs> <laughs> it is true it does make you hate people doesn't it honestly it really <laughs> does because most of you think how how do you stay upright how do you <laughs> yeah. even are you allowed to forget about operating in heavy machinery? Are you allowed to turn a tap on or open a door? Because honestly, I don't think you should be. Yeah. So that's yeah. Anything to do with with telesales and uh, call centers was that was that was the worst. I generally yeah. find also it's always the the people who are the most thick who are also the most rude. Like if you get you yeah. sort of get like an old person who's like really oh, elderly yeah. and they they don't really know I what they're them. doing, but they're nice because a lot of the time yeah. they're like, oh, I'm really really sorry. I know this is a real big hassle. You know, you help me with this that the other, and you go no no it's fine. But then you get people who are not to you know not to be uh, over generalizing, but normally middle aged people guys. <laughs> And they're the ones who are like, I know what I'm doing. This isn't working because of this. And you go, no, it's not because of that. It's this other reason. No, it couldn't possibly be that. because. Of that. And it's like, do you want me to help you or not? Like, do you, what do you want from me? You're calling me. I didn't call you because I've, I've been in other jobs as well that have required mm-hmm. similar customer facing things, but not, not quite as intense as a call center. When I was in the mobile phone industry, and this is a true story, this twat got his first mobile phone. And he said, listen, um, I bought this phone, um, charged it up like it's in the instructions. It worked for like a couple of days and it hasn't worked since. Oh. I said, oh, okay. Um, so, well, it's not powering up. Have you got the charge with you? He said, yeah, no, but I charged it when I bought it. Yeah, but have you charged it since? He said, what do you mean? Said, well, you, you've got to keep charging it. It's not like you charge it once and it works forever. Made goes, of magical dust. What? I've got to keep using my electricity to charge this thing. <laughs> well, yeah. Goes, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> And this this was a guy in his thirties. This is this wasn't like a, a ninety year old or anything like that. And he just wouldn't have it. So, right? You didn't tell me that when I bought it. Well, yeah, it's, it's common sense. Well, my phone, home phone doesn't need to keep charging. Well, <laughs> it is plugged into the wall permanently. So less. Yeah, mate. Idiots. Yeah, there's some there's some bad one born every minute. Very foolish people out there. He actually left his phone to charge at our shop um, twice a week. He said, well, good luck getting your phone calls, mate. <laughs> This isn't that's true. True story. I don't disbelieve you. I've I've had you know, I've worked in car insurance for the last several years and fortunately I'm a broker, so I don't deal with the public public, but I deal with employees a lot of the time who are like, you know, adamant it's not their fault. It's like, yeah, I rear-ended him, but you know, the traffic light changed and he didn't go immediately. It's like, but you still fucking hit him in the rear. What do you want? Like <laughs> it's it's that sort of thing, and you have to quite try and be quite polite with it, uh, with oh certain things. God. But it, it, I find that here's a, here's a query for you guys because obviously you've both got kids and things. Is 
Do you think working a crap job is kind of helpful in the long run for two reasons, in, in my view? Because first of all, you deal with so many twats, you kind of get, you get grounded a bit because you're like, oh, no, not everyone I associate myself with is nice. But also working a job that crap, it makes you appreciate a job that isn't and makes, I kind of feel like makes you pursue your passions a bit harder. I don't know what yeah, you guys I mean, kind of think about that. True. I know, I know creative people who can't do their thing unless mm-hmm. they've got a mundane job to sort of balance it out with. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I, and I, d- all jobs, a bit like all relationships, even really bad ones, kind of give you something at the end. And mm. it's the same with jobs. Like there are skills that I learned doing awful sales jobs or teaching special needs. I mean, teaching special needs gave me everything I needed to perform in front of a group of drunks. It was just the, like the skills are exactly the same. Even in terms of like getting people excited or getting them quiet. I remember just being quite fascinated that in teaching, if you need, if everyone's being loud, you don't go loud, you go quiet. So they strain to hear you, so they shut the fuck up. And even, you know, regardless of what level you're teaching at, and it's exactly the same on a on a stage. If they're being really rowdy, you actually, you can get quite quiet and they draw their attention back in. And then if you need them to get excited about the next act, you're going to get really loud and they all follow suit and stuff like that. So there is, there's always skills to be, yeah, from every shit job. And as you say, even if the only thing you take from it is, well, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> that was hell on earth. I think it's necessary. You're, you're supposed to have a few crappy jobs along the way. I think it's served. I think it's served me well. <laughs> Complete learning experience. Absolutely, everything you learn. Uh, the relationship's a great one because I honestly, I think I'm a decent husband. I think I'm a good dad, but I wouldn't be without those complete nightmare, crazy ass bitches that I went out with before I met my wife. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly, it's, it's just life learning, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. And with, yeah, with me, I, you know, they they were nice, but I look back at how I behaved at various things and I think, well, at least I'm not doing that anymore. At least I'm doing this. Oh, anymore. Yeah. So yeah, you kind of you grow and change as you get older, and then just when you kind of at your best then no one wants to listen to you anymore. That's as you get old. Fact. The joy of getting old, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is one of those weird things, isn't it? Yeah, because with, with relationships, I mean, all my friends love Megan and all my family and stuff, and it's, it's great. And it's one of the reasons she's so involved with the podcast, because I have faith <laughs> in our relationship and it's not going to become some sort of awkward thing in a few years. But like, I've dated crazy people in, to, so much so that when every one of my partners met Megan, they were like, Mike, she, she's not batshit. What's happening? What, yeah. Why are you breaking the trend? Like, yeah. this one's not a nut job. What's happening? And I'm like, I don't try and go for crazy women, okay? I just have bad judgment. Like, it was well, just... Have you considered they weren't crazy till they started going out with you, Mike? Maybe you need to look that... deeper into your own heart here. That could be true. <laughs> she seemed fine when I started, but by the end of going out with me, she was absolutely bananas. <laughs> she was angry all the time. She was crying constantly. <laughs> I've got Bertonitis <laughs> After I screamed in her face four times for her being a bitch, she suddenly got really off with me. Do you know why? Yeah, Mike, you were a bit of a twat then, weren't you? Oh yeah, that's probably why. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I think I think I don't think a lot of us nerds, if we have managed to find a decent person, then we're just there's a certain amount of gratitude that you carry around yes. with you that Definitely. stops you being too awful, isn't there? Just like yeah. well, you know, particularly if you bag somebody who's quite normal as well, both me and Steve you know, there's advantages and disadvantages to having a partner who shares your passions, I think. Yeah. You know, if they're like, if you had, if I had like a sort of a, a steampunk wife who was also a rapper, I'd hate it because they get some <laughs> of the attention that I clearly deserve at all times. Whereas in fact I've got someone who's really down to earth and cool and quite and like cool in the actual genuine sense of the word yeah. as well which was always like beyond my understanding growing up and i think that's quite it's quite nice to have someone who can just fucking bring you back down to earth and say take off your hat and stop talking like that for 10 minutes <laughs> all right sorry yeah, <laughs> <good point. laughs> 
You need someone to yep. rein you in. Yeah. That's, that's what I find. Because like, like Megan, Megan's nerdy, but when I first started dating her, she was like a massive, massive Harry Potter nerd. Mm. She was almost as much into Harry Potter as I am into Star Wars. Um, so from that, I was not quite, but almost. <laughs> and so when that was the case, I was like, I, I was like, I think, I was like, I'm going to show you Star Wars. I, I, she said she'd be willing to watch it because she knew how much it meant to me. And now she's like a massive Star Wars nerd because I was like, because you've got that nerd to about Harry Potter and the Harry Potter franchise is basically stagnated or dying, depending on how you want to perceive the Fantastic, <laughs> yeah. Fantastic Beasts movies. And it's like, so she has no other sort of fandom to latch onto. And I was like, well, because you had the capacity for Harry Potter stuff, I could try and filter it into Star Wars stuff because Harry Potter's fucked at the moment and Star Wars got loads of content. Yeah, I think if you've got a nerdy mindset, it can fit, it can fit different things. Definitely. Luke Skywalker, Harry Potter, same dude. Pretty much, yeah. Both kind of whiny to begin with, but you love them at the end. <laughs> and actually, all those things are the same. And I imagine for people who like things like sports, I'd imagine it's much the same as well. There's not really that much difference between knowing everything about Huddersfield as there is knowing everything about Batman, as there is knowing everything about New York hip-hop in the 90s. It's all basically, you know, it's all basically the same thing. Yeah, and yet we're the nerds. Yeah, exactly. Yet somehow we're How? the nerds. He's looking at his huge collection of Muppet figures. You buy a new strip that costs you how much money every time the season starts and i'm a nerd good luck with that yeah i always call people who are sport fanatics nerds i had a, a friend of yeah, mine at work ultimate nerds yeah well a friend of mine at work he's like oh he's such a nerd for styles i was like, i am but you know everything but you're a nerd for football he's like no i'm not i was like okay who won the you know, premiership in like 94 and he's like blah, 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 and the score was blah, blah, blah. and i'm exactly. like there you bloody go Except <laughs> generally you know, we don't go out and sp- strike up physical fights with people who like slightly different stuff exactly. we, we know we don't get a group of us together We're warriors and go alan moore Alan Moore is better than Scott <laughs> Morrison. Well, I we almost do. The style look. of magic and the weight you worship snakes. Frank Miller! Frank Miller! <laughs> Frank Miller! a massive fight with a load of ball guys in leather jackets. It's just, you know. Grant Morrison! Grant Morrison! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wonder who'd win in a fight between Grant Morrison and Alan Moore, like a physical fight. Because Alan Moore's a big guy, but Grant Morrison's, I'd imagine he's wiry and Scottish, isn't he? Yeah, but Alan Moore will just turn Grant Morrison into a toad, because I swear to God, Alan he's a magician. Moore actually is a wizard. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. He actually just, is a wizard. I, I love I old Grant Morrison interviews where he's saying stuff. He's, he's just at some convention saying, oh, I decided to wear my fiction suit, so I masturbated into a circle of goat's blood, and then I took some ecstasy, and now I'm here to do this talk. It's like, whoa. That's what I want my comic writers to be like, all of them. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's not far off one of his interviews. They're actually. fucking that's brilliant. Close. They're thoroughly inspiring. He is my, he's my absolute favourite comic writer just for the sheer, the sheer bonkersness. Even uh, stuff that I don't, I don't like. I'm all, it's, always a, it's always an in, exciting challenge reading through his work. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> And um, but I want to ask as well, we're getting sort of towards the hour mark here, so I'll start to wrap up shortly. But um, I want to ask you as well, Prof, is with like nerd culture and things, did, did you find, were you into comic books and stuff a lot and then you got into rap at the same time and they slowly merged? Or was it more so kind of one more than the other and then when you became sort of Professor Elemental, then the nerdy stuff kind of caught up with you? I'm kind of intrigued. Oh, it's definitely comics. Comics first. Because I've got relatives mm. in America, so there was that connection of this exotic place where the comics came from. We'd get these little parcels with the odd sort of Batman comic or an action figure in, and I'd just be sort of stunned and excited. And because the adverts in comics as well, when you live in a little village 
village in Suffolk and you've got these adverts for x-ray specs and hostess Twinkie cakes and muscle powders and all these other kind of weird and wonderful things Space it just opened monkeys. opened up this sort of fantastical imaginary culture as to what I thought America would be like and I suppose hip-hop was a little bit like that as well like even to this day to my shame I don't listen to a lot of you know a lot of British rapper I do more now because my kids have started doing but it's the, but the American stuff that I really like and I think it's because I'm really I'm really in love with that those aspects of American culture just like British culture there's a lot of things where you go oh I'm not sure about that but the, you know in terms of their popular culture that's the stuff that I totally dig but yeah so nice to have a thing where you can just put it all in a great big nerdy pile as well I'll make a comic and some rap albums and find some new friends I mean yeah I consider very considering that you know I bought this pith helmet from a shop on a kind of whim it's amazing how far it's taken me really yeah, it, it's it's weird. I do like with the with nerdy stuff. I think that a lot of it, especially when you go, because I've been to a few uh, comic conventions and stuff, and I just find the atmosphere is so great there. And it's it baffled me that the last one I went to, um, I think it was MCM oh. in London. I'm trying to remember. Obviously, the last year has been a weird of blur because of lockdown. And everything before that in my brain is just pre-lockdown, and then slightly <laughs> yeah, before that, exactly. I'm like, okay, and it's I've all been sort of squashed together, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I kind of have to kind of mm-hmm. okay. How long ago did I start dating Megan? Okay, that was two and a half years ago. So there's like you know <laughs> how many years BM before Megan? So how how, trying to work out what the fuck anything is by that sort of I don't know but I, I remember going there and going to Comic Con and I went to Star Wars Celebration as well which was the, one of the greatest moments of my life and mm-hmm. I just couldn't get the smile off my face everything around me being Star Wars I just, so nice. um, and I remember going around even at the Star Wars one but mainly at um, the standard Comic Con I remember you go around sort of the air quotes main bits and you go oh there's you know a Batman stand oh there's a Superman stand in that DC area then there's and then you kind of you get to about two thirds through and you go okay that's all the comic stuff and then you go oh wait what's the rest of this and it's like you know there's steampunk stands and there's that music you know there's video game related things which is just everyone making 8-bit versions of all crazy yes. songs and you get another stand it's like oh yeah I'm using rocks I'm cutting them in half scooping them out and I'm creating weird little creatures out of them and they're here at Comic Con and it's like all these crazy cool things I just like the how how much nerddom in a sense kind of embraces all the weird and I think that's kind of a, a culmination of your your angle in a sense prof yeah the creativity as well just it just is all different you know all those people making all that stuff it's just it's all tapping into the same creative sort of buzz and being able to mix and match it nicely and it's nice that it wasn't like that as you know me and steve roll we went to comic conventions back in the day i'm sure you were, i used to go to the, like the uk comic convention in london and it was oh, i was the first thing i ever did on my own and it was it was just a tatty tatty big hall full of men smoking roll-ups and piles of comics everywhere it's like a jumble sale and sort of people like Stan Lee just wandering around, barely noticed by anybody. Like it was, it was, it was this tiny, yeah. weird, not particularly nice, entirely sort of quite misogynistic. There were no women there at all. Oh yeah, um, totally. no women were really invited there either. Comicscape the early years, isn't it? Yeah, it really was. I, me- I remember seeing a, a, a woman in a comic shop for the first time and just being like, again, like a character in the sense, like, what's she doing in here? A lady in a comic shop. Big bang theory. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, you know, again, for all of the all of the things in the world that we can bemoan, that are the, the rise of nerd culture and how inclusive it's becoming. Obviously, there's a lot of other stuff and there's a lot of a lot of nasty stuff that I don't have to deal with because I'm a white male. So it doesn't you know, I don't notice it so much. But as a whole, you know, there's been some amazing things that have come out of the, the changing of culture to make it more nerdy. Yeah. 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 And the one last thing I'll say on that sort of point, and then we'll wrap up is, um, there's a, there's a, 
something that I saw, which was, it was some sort of documentary and it was about people who had been uh, the smaller Star Wars characters. So people mm. who played Greedo, people who played like the guy who played originally Boba Fett in episode six and things. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy Bullock. There we go. And so it was quite interesting because there was a documentary and I, I can't remember what it was called. I really should know, but I'll put it in the show notes. I, try to remember. I think it's called like Elm's Tree something or other. And basically it was interviewing all the characters and all the people, the actors who are small characters in Star Wars. And they yeah. were saying how they literally had their entire lives changed. For like the guy who played Greedo, um, he was literally like from that year of from Star Wars coming out, when sort of comic conventions, especially in America, were I think they were bigger over there. It took a while for them yeah, to come over yeah, to the UK first. And it's like they were saying like there's like a group of like twenty or thirty people in Star Wars, and they were like literally because of comic conventions, I don't have to work my job. I managed to afford my mum's you know cancer therapy <laughs> because you could just go to these comic cons <laughs> yeah. and all these people are lining up to Absolutely. beg me for me to sign photos of this character. And I'm like they they got approached by George Lucas or whoever spent you know a, a week or two on set doing makeup all that sort of jazz, and they were like they thought oh I just did a cool little film and then it completely changed their life because of how passionate nerds are and i just think nerds are in a lot of ways yeah there's a lot of toxicity around them unfortunately which has kind of come to the forefront a lot more recently but i think the general sort of um consensus of nerds is they're willing to pay extra for crazy weird stuff that they're really passionate about and i just think that's so beautiful and that just lines up so nicely (laughs) absolutely no you're spot yes spot on and if you've got you know i've got no record label i've got you know a, a manager who's really a friend of mine who sort of helped me with booking it's not like i've got a big management company or anything like that and I'll, ne- and I'll never have those things and now i don't want or need them because if you've got if you've got a good crew of listeners like Stuart lee says he needs you know whatever it is a thousand a thousand good solid fans who come to every show that's it you're sorted and i think there's yeah that's there's a lot to be had from that i think there's particularly early on and i, I still see it with um musical friends now that's sort of chasing a dream chasing a sort of goal that doesn't really exist and like if you got all of those things that you wanted don't necessarily you think you'd be much happier than you would be if you did it however you wanted to do it for a small audience going wherever you wanted to go well not now yeah. but you know generally Absolutely. yeah I think me and Steve with our podcast is probably the case of you know I know Steve's got his hand to many podcasts as well I feel like it's almost instead of us both wanting my writing as oh well. yeah exactly yeah you're, you're well, the many things you do but like with those things instead of getting like you know Joe Rogan level listeners we'd all rather have like instead of you know like a hundred million people listening I'd rather have like say 10,000 people but they're all really really into it I'd rather have like a smaller community yeah, and you can form relationships exactly. with a lot of them as well you know they're the people who get exactly. in touch and you know just like me and Steve did you say it's how you form friendships as well which is you know it's a lovely thing which brings us sort of full circle it does and that's a perfect way so let's uh, wrap it up now then um, you guys have been very generous through the time thank you so much I thank you to oh, Steve for it, sort of properly introducing us and we'll have to do this again later in the year and just focus on like movies or something and um, so just before we sort of wrap up uh, Steve do you want to give your sort of how people can find you the multitude i'll put them in the show notes but just for audio listeners and stuff absolutely i love to talk to people um all kinds of nerds please hit me up on twitter <laughs> at l steve el underscore s t e e v o to read my written work just type steve j ray or fantastic universes into the google engine of your choice to to find my written stuff news reviews and interviews and this is the podcast this brilliant one with mike i've been on twice and i'm appearing again in a couple of weeks <laughs> what's going on with the world superheroes for dummies with paul and dan um dc comics news podcast i am the night where we review batman the animated series my son and i and the occasional guest and yeah that's that's me talk to me i'm always listening <laughs> nice. wonderful and prof what about yourself 
Uh, I'm spending all my time on Patreon at the moment. That's my favourite place to be. And just, yeah, turning out lots and lots of material on there. So Professor Elemental Patreon, you can find it. Um, and if not, just ProfessorElemental.com. I'm always up to some kind of mischief. So, um, yeah, you can find me easily enough. Yeah, and a lot of I recommend a lot of your YouTube videos because obviously there's the classics like you know fighting trousers and a cup of brown. But I've been watching some of your newer ones as well, and the, the, visually they're just a lot of fun to watch, and I think they fit in <laughs> a lot with the lyrics and everything, and they work very together very masterfully. Yes, lovely. I'm trying to yeah slowly but surely turn myself entirely fictional and become a cartoon character. That's the next <laughs> aim. You're on the Disney Channel, mate. That blew my mind. <laughs> oh, just you wait till you hear what's, what's coming next. I can't talk about it yet, but it'll be amazing. The Phineas and Ferb, I was watching it and I didn't know you were on it. And I thought, whoa, what? Hey, what's going on? That's the off. And it was actually you in character and doing the rap. I'm thinking, what the oh, hell? I, I didn't, you didn't even tell me you'd done that, dude. What? <laughs> I pop up in some very, very unusual places. Things that I sometimes Brilliant. do and then forget that I've done. and go, oh, yes, look, there I am. I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> Did, was that did I oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> good well, well done me <laughs> oh wonderful well yeah well, whenever you've got your next thing coming out and stuff you can come back on the show open invitation and oh, we can I'd just chat to. about it for five minutes and then talk about nonsense for the rest of it so I'd be only too delighted thanks ever so much for having us no problem at all well thank you so much again guys it's been a pleasure thanks Mike cheers and that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. As I said in the intro, be sure to go check out Professor Elemental's website as well as the multiple places you can find Steve J. Ray, including Fantastic Universes, DC Comics News, and superdummy.co.uk. I really hope that you guys enjoyed the chat as much as I did having it. It was just so much fun and I have not laughed that much in the podcast in quite a while. So it was just so much fun to do. Be sure you check those guys out. I just wanted to note as well that Steve J. Ray is part of the Superheroes for Dummies podcast, as well as a few other podcasts as well. But Superheroes for Dummies airs on the feed of Comics in Motion, which is where my Star Wars podcast airs. And if you guys are a fan of them, also check out episode 115, which was only two episodes ago, of Genuine Chit Chat, where I spoke to Paul and Dan, who are the other half of the Superheroes for Dummies podcast. So what I've got coming up, uh, next week I'm going to be releasing part one of my chat with Rachel Midori. Uh, she is a wine sommelier, a mental health activist, and she's an ex-porn star. So it's a very interesting conversation. She's she's a really, really great person to speak with. And if you are a Patreon, you'll get the whole chat in one full go. But as usual with Genuine Chit Chat, when a chat is over an hour or so, I usually split it in half. But as I said, I release it on Patreon in one full chunk, so you get a bit of early access there. Details of the Patreon are in the description, and I also have a another show as well on there called Afterthoughts. I do it with my girlfriend and self-proclaimed co-host Megan. We basically watch movies or TV series and give our thoughts on them. I try and release two episodes a week. They're normally about 15 or so minutes long, but if you go on Patreon right now, as I said, links in the description, but it's patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. I have released two episodes on there completely for free, and that is The Witcher Season 1 and also our review of The Phantom Menace, because we are actually doing a full Star Wars rewatch as well, and there's also loads of other stuff on there. There's the Watchmen, uh, Queen's Gambit, uh, we've recorded How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, uh, the three Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. We've got loads of other stuff to come. We just like watching movies and series and we've been popping them all on there. So if you want even more content from myself and maybe even if you aren't that fussed about Star Wars but you want to hear my views on movies and whatnot, go over to Patreon. There's also photos of my tortoise, um, videos of her and lots of other little behind the scenes things too. So check that out if you desire. 
On top of that, I've got quite a few other things in the pipeline. I've done quite a few guest spots as of recently. I was on the podcasts we listen to show, uh, so I've included a link to that in the description. Part one is already out as of the time recording this, where I speak about this very show, Genuine Chit Chat. And then the one that's going to be released in a few days' time on Wednesday, the 3rd of March, I talk about my Star Wars show. As I said, my other show is Star Wars Comics in Canon, and it is found on the feed of Comics in Motion. As well as the other guest spots, I was on Frank Burton's Ragbag podcast, episode 17. Uh, myself and Megan also appeared on the 52 Love podcast. It was an episode released in early February where we wrote poems to each other and read them on air. And me and Megan were also on the 20th Century Geeks Massive Batman Retrospective. There are five parts to it and we discuss Batman 66, the four Burton vs. Batman movies, the animated movie Mask of the Phantasm and the Dark Knight trilogy. So there's loads of stuff that I've been involved with. I'm doing loads of other guest spots in the coming months as well. And the best place to find me is at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter and on Facebook as on Instagram especially I, and on Twitter I try and post I try every day but it doesn't always necessarily work that way but I post a few times a week and I post snippets of upcoming episodes of Genuine Chit Chat uh, photos from the comics I use for Star Wars Comics in Canon as well as just random other photos and things as well as all the guest spots I do and whatnot. so make sure you follow me on social media if you so desire if you don't want to follow me on social media but you want to be kept up to date with all of those things you can go on Patreon because I put most of that stuff on there too and just for clarity on the Patreon front, once again, is that if you donate as little as £2 a month, or I think it's $3, then you will get access to the complete full unsplit episodes of Genuine Chit Chat going forward, as well as the show Afterthoughts as well, and you get a portion of my undying love. So what is better than that? Aside from that, guys, the only real other thing I was going to mention is my Star Wars podcast. Uh, I talk about it quite a lot at the end here, so if anyone's not interested in Star Wars, you can skip this. But if you are interested in Star Wars as so much as you've seen all the movies and you haven't seen anything else, the comic podcast is a really good way to get into the sort of wider canon of Star Wars because I've tried to make the shows in a way that you can listen to them whether or not you've ever read a single Star Wars comic. I go through the narrative, I explain some of the connective tissue, some of the species and planets involved in things, as well as the general narrative and whatnot. I give background information on characters i've done a book review i when i interviewed claudia gray i put that on both this feed and the star wars comics and canon feed and i've also got more things planned with star wars creators they'll both be on this feed and the other feed as well but if you like star wars or want to just get into Star Wars a little bit more i would recommend just checking out the show because i've done loads of things like the history of count dooku darth Maul how Kylo Ren got his lightsaber, how C-3PO got his red arm. There's loads and loads of things I've tackled on that show with many more things to come, which is quite exciting. So make sure you check that out on the feed of Comics in Motion, uh, which is also there with Stevie J. Ray's Superheroes for Dummies podcast and loads of other amazing podcasts as well. I can't get enough of listening to all the other shows on Comics in Motion. It is just fantastic. But that is about it from me, guys. Thank you, as always, for listening. It means the absolute world to me for you guys listening to the show. And anyone who wants to check out me on Patreon, it means the world to me even more so. Uh, I don't expect everyone who's listening to go and support me on Patreon because, you know, times can be tough. But if you can, go and just check it out and maybe give some feedback if you have any sort of suggestions and things, that'd be cool. But as I said, there is already free content on there. There's approximately about 40 minutes of free audio on there that you guys can go check out. So as I say, you don't have to contribute anything. I don't think you even have to make an account you just go on there on the link you scroll down past the tiers there's a little video there me explaining what you can expect and then you scroll further down than that and then you'll be able to see a variety of posts that are locked but you can click basically view all and among those you'll find my free witcher afterthoughts as well as our phantom menace thoughts as well but yeah thank you as always guys i love each and every one of you i hope you're doing well staying safe and i'll talk to you guys next week 
picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies.